Well, good morning, Hamilton Mill. How are y'all doing? Good, good, good. Hey, listen, you're saying, where's Pat? I'm not Pastor Chris, in case you got confused. I'm not sure you, I know we look so much alike, but uh, no, Pastor Chris uh, and Lisa are on a well-deserved vacation, and uh, my name is Olin Holly. I'm one of the executive pastors here at Victory, and I'm actually part of the Victory family. Uh, me and my family have been a part of Victory for over 20 years, and uh, so I'm family, y'all. I'm with y'all, okay? We are together, and um, a lot of times when I get a chance to meet people, I find out that people say, well, yeah, I know you, and uh, they see another guy that might look like my son, look like my wife, so let me introduce to you my amazing wife of 35 years, Flowers. Would you just stand up and wave at my everybody? She, she's navigating some immune-compromised things, so she's being healed in Jesus' name, amen? So... But she's been with me for 35 years, and people ask me, why do I smile all the time? Well, first, because of Jesus, and then secondly, because of her. So uh, it's, been, it's been an amazing day already today, and as I said, Pastor Chris and Lisa are, are gone, but we've been in an amazing series called When We Pray, and it started actually with the Sermon on the Mount back in February earlier this year. And the thing that excites me about this series is that uh, we rarely do something like this where we're walking through the Bible verse by verse. And for those of you who've um, actually experienced this, it's been an amazing experience. And I can't wait to see how we will be as a church at the end of this year when we complete this entire Sermon on the Mount series. So when we talk about today and what we've been doing for the past several weeks, it's been about prayer. And our title of our series is called When We Pray. Say that with me, When We Pray. The title is not if we pray, right? The title is not should we pray. It's about when we pray. And when we started off this series, Pastor Johnson gave us a list of seven aspects of personal prayer that are covered uh, by the Lord's Prayer. So uh, before we go any further, I kind of want to refresh your memory and kind of walk through that with you. So these seven aspects uh, start with the aspect of, our, of God, our Father in heaven, establishing his presence. The next aspect is your kingdom come is about expanding his kingdom. Your will be done is submitting to his will. And last week, Pastor Dennis, as Trey said, preached a very passionate message about praying in God's blessing, and that's about give us this day our daily bread. But today, we're going to go to the fifth one, which talks about how do we establish a clean heart, and that's by praying for the forgiveness of our sins. Now, when I think about uh, this entire Lord's Prayer, and again, what Jesus is advocating with the Lord's Prayer is not to pray necessarily the exact words that we see printed, but he's saying this is how you should pray. And so as we are looking through these aspects of, of establishing prayer, it's very obvious that Jesus says that forgiveness should be a regular part of your prayer life. Now, you're asking the question, well, well, well why is forgiveness so critical? Well, forgiveness is critical because you and I deal something with something pretty often called offense, that people hurt us, right? And there's sometimes that people mean to hurt us, right? And there's sometimes that people don't mean to hurt us. And there are different types of offense that we actually see in the scripture. And so when, 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 we, when we think about um, these types of offense, it, it's all covered under this aspect of forgiving us our sins. And so what we're going to do together today is we're going to read the Lord's Prayer together and so we can have a context of everything that we're going to talk about. So we're going to put that on the screen, and let's read it together starting now. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
Here's not temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. So one of the things you'll notice is that the aspect of forgiveness that's called out in this version, it says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We don't often talk about debts and debtors in our life, but we talk about sin. And so the title of this message is called, Forgive Us Our Sins. And as I said, we're going to talk today about the importance of forgiveness and how to deal with offense. And let's face it, um, it's easy for us to be offended. There's, there's always an opportunity for somebody to hurt us. And if we're honest, there may have been some of us that woke up this morning offended because we were mad at something yesterday, right? Some of us, if we're honest, it's only, it's only 11.30 and you may have already encountered some offense in your, in your life. You may, may be getting ready for church or on your way to church. I, I gotta tell you something, you wanna see something funny, uh, go to our Norcross campus and try to find a parking spot in the main parking lot between the two main services. You're going to wonder, hmm, are these really Christians that are trying to do this parking right now? Because I think there's a lot of offense going on in there, literally, right? So we can encounter it in, in many, many different ways, but here's something I want to make, make uh, plain to you, because when we think about offense and forgiveness, um, I don't want to belittle anything that anybody's done to hurt you. Because let's face it, forgiveness is hard, right? When someone has hurt you, it's hard for us to release them because it's not really a natural thing for us to do. It, unfortunately, we naturally kind of want revenge and retaliation, but God says don't have revenge, don't retaliate. He tells us to release them. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And one of the things I want to talk about with you is to bring clarity to what forgiveness is not. We often talk about what forgiveness is, but let's understand what forgiveness is not. So I've got several of these on the screen that are right here. And the first one says that forgiveness is not denial. Forgiveness is not denial. What does that mean? Forgiveness is not pretending that the wrongdoing never happened or it minimizes its impact. So some people are, are saying, well, you, you you just want me to, to, to pretend that it didn't happen. That is not what forgiveness is about. You, you must deal with the offense and the person that hurt you. What's the next thing that forgiveness is not? It's not excusing. It's not justifying or making excuses for the actions that cause harm. Again, we're not, we're not saying that when someone hurts you, well, that's okay, they didn't mean it. No, it's not appropriate and it's unacceptable for you to, to be hurt by somebody else and you must deal with that. What's the next thing that forgiveness is not? It's not trust. It doesn't mean that we automatically trust someone after they hurt us. So if you do something to me, any of y'all do something to me, don't expect me to invite you to Disney World anytime soon, right? Okay, we're not, we're not the happiest place on earth. I guess it's the hottest place on earth right now. So forgiveness is not trust. It doesn't mean automatically to, to trust them immediately. It's not reconciliation. Now, that doesn't mean that the relationship can't be restored when we forgive, but it means that those are separate ideas. And forgiveness comes first because it doesn't take two. It takes two to reconcile. It takes one to forgive. Amen? All right? What, is, what else is forgiveness is not? It's not forgetting. It's not forgetting the past or the pain uh, that was caused to us. So we're not advocating that when you forgive and forget that, that all of a sudden it goes away from your memory. But here's also what it doesn't mean. It means that when someone hurts you, uh, you don't use that pain, you don't bring that thing up to try to uh, get revenge or to, or to make your offender feel bad. So that's the idea of not forgetting. What's the other aspect? The last aspect here is that forgiveness is not impossible. Some of you are thinking that, man, you don't know what happened to me. You don't know what's going on with me, but I can tell you 
because of the fact that you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, forgiveness is not impossible. Amen? So those are some things I wanted you to understand about what forgiveness is not. Now, I've done all that talking about what it's not. So what is forgiveness? What is it? Well, let's, let's talk about it. The Greek word for forgiveness is aphemi, which means to send away, to leave behind, and let go. Say, let go with me. Let go. I often like to use a, a, a picture to do that. When I say let go, I mean, yes, let it go. And for some of you, you're, you're thinking, I don't know if I want to let it go. Some of us have held the hurt so long that our hand is like this holding on to our pain that we're not sure what it would be like to let go, right? But forgiveness is about choosing to let go. And, and the, the longer definition of forgiveness is choosing to pardon or release someone from the debt, the offense, or wrongdoing they've committed against us. It involves letting go of resentment, bitterness, and the desire for revenge. So that's, that's, what our, that's our working definition of forgiveness for today. Now, what's offense? There are two different kinds of offenses. There's an offense against God and an offense against other people. An offense against God is the word harmatia, which means to miss the mark, and it's simply falling short of God's standard. And some of us are familiar with this aspect that uh, if you are an archer and you've got a bow and an arrow and you're trying to hit your target, the picture is, hey, listen, I'm doing my best to hit it, but my, t my arrow often falls Short, And that's the picture that we have of the fact that all of us sin against God. As a matter of fact, the next verse talks about this in, in Romans 3, 23, where it says, for everyone has sinned and we all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. Bless the name of Jesus. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. So that's, those are offenses against God, but we also, there are offenses that we do between ourselves. And, and that Greek word for that is called scandalon. It's called a trap. It's, it's literally saying that when we, you and I go through our daily lives, there are literally all kinds of traps that the enemy is trying to set for us because he knows that if he can get us offended and that if he can get us to, become, to, to choose unforgiveness, he's got a doorway in to do all kinds of things in our lives. So again, an offense here is something that causes a person to be hurt or angry or upset. And Jesus himself said in Luke 17, he, he said to his disciples, it's impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. When, whenever Jesus says the word woe, it's a warning. And so when you see woe in scripture, that means woe, stop and pay attention. And what Jesus says here to us about offense is that it's not acceptable for us to be offended, but it's also not acceptable for us to offend someone else. You know, often when we talk about forgiveness, we talk about how, you know, I've been hurt, how somebody hurt me. But again, let's keep it real. We hurt people too, right? Right? And we may not mean to, but we do it. And I've got a wonderful, funny example of how I hurt somebody. Um, I was, uh, before I worked here at Victory, I spent my first 21 years working in the information technology world. And so uh, we had a new, I had a new boss that joined our team. And uh, one day, uh, soon after he joined the team, he said, hey, listen, hey, Olin, I, I want to come and be a part of one of your customer presentations. And so let me know when the next one is. And I let him know. And, and there were about 30 or 40 people in this room. And um, so my thought was, hey, this is my new boss. I want to make a great first impression on him. And so I was so excited to have him come. And he had had a really distinguished career, you know, in our company. And so 
Key word distinguished, I'm thinking, you know what? When he comes in, I want to be sure that I acknowledge his distinguished career. Now, let me ask you a question. Have any of you ever been in a situation where the word in your head didn't match the word that came out of your mouth? <laughs> Are y'all laughing? Somebody else knows what I'm talking about, right? So um, when he walked in the room, I'm like, okay, I want to go ahead and acknowledge him in front of all these people. And so, again, distinguished was in my head. Now, some of you may not use this, this word that I'm about to say, but um, instead of saying, hey, guys, here's my distinguished boss, Steve, I said, here is my dubious boss, Steve. <laughs> oh, some of y'all know what, what that word means. Before you Google it, um, <laughs> the word dubious is not distinguished, number one, I'll tell you that. But it has other meanings such as dishonest and deceitful. So I said, hey, guys, here's my dishonest and deceitful boss. Welcome him, right? Here's the bad part. I didn't know I said the word dubious. And I ended up do, do, finishing the presentation. I didn't know I had messed up. Literally a couple days after that presentation, I was talking, you know, I, my boss seemed a little... Um, frosty around me, right? <laughs> I was, was kind of like, um, I asked one of my coworkers, hey, so does Steve seem to be a little distant or a little, you know, kind of standoffish? Have you noticed that? And my coworker looked at me, he said, well, you ought to know why. <laughs> and I'm like, how should I know? What are you talking about? He said, because of what you said to him. I'm like, what did I say? No one's told me. He said, then he told me the word that I used. And I was like, what? And um, what I also didn't know was that my boss was already dealing with self-esteem problems. Mm. So what did that do to him, right? Now, eventually, we got on a good relationship, but, you know, it took him a while to trust me because I literally insulted him in, in a room full of people, right? So... Um, it's very interesting for us to, to pay attention to offense because, again, many times we think about the fact that, oh, man, people hurt me all the time. I don't, like, I don't like being hurt, but no, we shouldn't also like hurting other people, right? Now, in a room this size, when I look at all of the different nationalities that we're blessed to have here at Victory, all of the different generations that are here in the room, all, um, there's probably a few of us that are carrying hurts. And, you know, some of you are very observant. You probably saw that I have a a backpack sitting here, and it's, it's really designed to help us understand that um, many of us are carrying around our hurts, and we don't even know it. We don't really understand how they're impacting us, and what we end up doing is we keep stuffing it and stuffing it and stuffing it, and when Jesus told us about prayer, about the model prayer, this is one reason why he said, hey, Forgiveness needs to be a regular part of your prayer life. Why? Because I want you to come to me frequently and keep short accounts with me, right? Don't let it fill up and stuff up and all of a sudden, here, Jesus, fix it, right? And that's often what we do. We come to him in crisis and ask him to fix it. But when I think about those of you who are in this room, uh, you may have dealt with some pretty difficult things that people hurt you with. And the words that you're going to see on these blocks, these aren't just empty words because 
when you see these words, these words are likely going to create an emotional response to you if you were hurt this way. Or it's going to remind you of the person that hurt you. So unfortunately, there's some of us who've dealt with betrayal in our lives. There was someone in our life or people in our lives that we trusted, we knew they had our back, but we ended up being stabbed in the back. Some of us, unfortunately, have experienced different types of abuse, physical, verbal, sexual, unacceptable, but we've experienced that. Some of us have uh, experienced neglect. We were kind of abandoned. We were left alone to fend for ourselves. And we still are dealing with that pain. Some of us were, were bullied, beaten, emotionally bullied. Today, now, bullying has taken on a new form on social media now, right? It used to be, I got to be in your space to bully you. Now I can bully you from anywhere. It's gotten so much more pervasive. Some of us have, uh, as I said earlier, been insulted, right? Like I unfortunately insulted my boss. Some of us are walking through divorce right now. Um, you got married with the hopes that it was going to be forever, and unfortunately it wasn't. Some of you are dealing with slander right now. There's someone who um, is literally lying about your character and saying that you're somebody that you're not. And then this last one here is about rejection. Um, there are people that you thought loved you, but they've now pushed you away, right? And there are many other types of hurts, right? But these are often things that we deal with and that we carry, and we don't understand the impact of them. I can tell you that I didn't understand the impact because for me, neglect was the one that I had to deal with and, I, and it took me 38 years of my life before I understood the impact that it had. You see, when I was born, um, I was an only child. And my mother, after I was born, some of you women are familiar with this, my mom went through something called a postpartum depression. It's not necessarily uncommon. And typically, after a few months or after a season, when someone experiences that, they come out of it and they're okay. But in my mom's case, she did not. Well, how did, how did that impact her? Emotionally, she wasn't able to respond. Emotionally, she wasn't able to nurture me, right? And so if you put that in the context of the fact that uh, when I was born, my parents had been married for, let me make sure, sure I can do the math right, they'd been married for like five years, and they both were educators and school teachers. And imagine how my dad felt when... The woman, the vibrant woman who, she, who he married, who was a school teacher and loved people and was outgoing, now, after I was born, now she's a recluse and a hermit and not responsive to him, right? Um, from, from my standpoint, as I got older, it, it wasn't until I was a teenager that I began to understand what my mom was dealing with. And, and, but what I heard from my family was this, well... Uh, you got to understand something. Your, your mom was fine until you were born. <laughs> so how, how do those things make you feel? And 
I was able to go to a, a, a Victory had a ministry back at this time uh, that's very similar to what Ford is today. And we had a facilitator who helped me understand, hey, Olin, listen, you know what you're dealing with? You're dealing with ne- um, the mother wound called neglect from your mother. And you need to be healed of that. And so uh, we were able to come to a, uh, a session here at Victory, and I was prayed over. And the way that I was prayed over was pretty special for me because, again, I'd never heard my mom because of her, her emotional condition. She never told me that I love you, and she was never able to hug me and hold me. Well, guess what the Lord had? The Lord had a, uh, about a four foot eleven Jewish woman uh, as my facilitator. And so uh, on that last day, that Jewish woman uh, reached up. Can I pretend to be 4'11 for a second? Okay. So. <laughs> and she looked up at me and said, Olin, on the behalf of your mother, I bless you. And I'm proud of you. And I'd never heard that before. And my six foot four self dropped to the floor to about her sight. And I just just began to weep because I had never heard those words. And I didn't realize that I needed to hear those words. So what I'm telling you is, is that oftentimes we carry things that we have no idea of the impact in their lives. One of the funny things that happened um, after that, uh, after I kind of went through my healing experience, there was a a, a wonderful young lady who said, Owen, you know what? I just sense the Lord telling me that one day you're going to be speaking to a lot of people as for what you do as a living. And I'm like, you got to be kidding. <laughs> well, hello, lots of people, right? <laughs> right? So it's just amazing what God will do if we allow him to heal us. And what I had to do was now to forgive my mom of the neglect because she wasn't able to control it. It wasn't like she wanted to neglect me, but I, when I chose to forgive her, it changed my whole life and it changed the whole course of my life. So, so why do I tell you this, right? Because offense, uh, we're gonna talk about this now, offense can get us stuck. Offense can get us stuck. There are things that God wants to accomplish through you that until you get healed and delivered from the thing that hurt you, the thing that you've been carrying, it will keep you stuck much longer than you want to be. And the cool thing about forgiveness is, is that although forgiveness does not change our past, forgiveness can help us to become unchained from our past, right? If we choose to forgive. And unfortunately, also what forgiveness does to us is that we can become so obsessed to what other people have done to us that we pay no attention to what unforgiveness is doing to us on the inside, right? So it's so critical that you and I pay attention to offense so that we don't get stuck. Here's something else that offense can do. Offense can get us sick. Offense can get us sick. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 14 and 30 says, a sound mind uh, makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. It's like it eats you alive. And there is medical evidence that that links some symptoms to unforgiveness. And so here here are a few of them here. Now, uh, big disclaimer, I'm not a doctor, and I I don't play one on television. Okay, so number one, just because this list is here, I'm not not saying that because you have any of these symptoms, I'm not saying that, okay, it was because of unforgiveness, but I will ask you this question. Have you been making repeated trips to a medical provider 
for one of these symptoms, and it just doesn't ever seem to be getting any better, and no one can figure out why. Well, it may not be a physical body issue. It could be a soul issue. And if it's a soul issue, then your healing's not going to be coming in the next pill you take. <laughs> it's going to be coming in, in the next prayer that you make. That's why Jesus said the prayer of forgiveness is so, so important to keep our hearts clean, but also to keep our bodies healthy. You know, when you, the, the list up there that you saw about depression, Sigmund Freud defined depression as anger turned inward, right? So if you're dealing with depression, it's one of those things that has the, the likelihood to corrode your bones. What else does offense do? Offense can break our fellowship with God. Now, one of the things that you saw earlier when we read the, the Lord's Prayer, uh, I read to you verses 9 through 13 of Matthew 6, but Jesus, the next two verses after the Lord's Prayer are so powerful because it's, it's where Jesus is, continues to talk beyond the Lord's Prayer, and he tells us these words. He says, listen, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Excuse me, forgive your sins. What, 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 what are the words here? Jesus goes through the entire Lord's Prayer, and then, and then at the end, he says, oh, P.S., forgiveness is important. Don't forget forgiveness. And so what he's telling us here is that, in essence, this is not about salvation, that if you don't forgive, you're not going to be saved. But here's what he's saying. You're not going to be able to have fellowship with me if you don't forgive. So he reiterates the importance of forgiveness in our lives, all right? Um, here's one of the last things I'll show you about as, as far as offense and, and how it impacts us. Offense breaks our fellowship not only with God, but with others. It breaks our fellowship with others. And here's some things that I wanna ask you about. You know, if you've been hurt, we often tend to respond in a certain way once we've been hurt. And so my question to you is, hey, after you've been offended by someone or hurt by someone, have you noticed yourself doing any of these things? Um, gossiping about them in the name of Jesus? Y'all need to pray for Pastor Olin because dot, 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 here, fill in the blank, right? You know, that's gossip. Sarcasm, reference, referencing them through, through sarcastic remarks, labels or name calling. I won't go through all of it, but, but the concerning one at the bottom there is violence, right? I mean, do you see yourself wanting to say, man, if I could only get my hands on this person, it hurt me, right? It's dangerous, y'all. And the little ones can lead to the big ones. So I tell you to guard your heart, right? Whenever we get offended, don't let it go, get out of control so that you're unable to handle the things uh, that are going on in your life. So, so those are some things about offense that's helpful for us to know. Y'all with me? You got it? All right. So now that we know what, uh, there's some things about offense. Let's talk about how do we live a lifestyle of forgiveness. See, what we want to do is we want to have the kind of lifestyle that we are really instantly going to God when we sin. God, I confess my sins to you. We want to live a kind of lifestyle that says, God, if someone offends me, I'm just, my first response is to forgive them and not sit on it and wait. And so what does that look like? How do we live a life like that? Well, first thing we have to do is we have to confess my offenses. We have to be willing to go to God in prayer. And again, this is what Jesus talks about in the, in the Lord's Prayer, about the importance of having forgiveness as a regular part of your prayer life. Now, one of the people that can highly help us uh, illustrate that is King David. 
And many of us know his story, especially about some of the, the, the faults that he had. One of the major faults that King David had was when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then after that, tried to address it even with another evil by setting up Bathsheba's husband at the, at the front of a battle line so that he got killed. And it wasn't until he was, in essence, caught by that and, and told, listen, man, what you're doing is wrong, he finally chose to be remorseful. And here's what I would tell us. Again, this goes back to the importance of Jesus saying, pray for forgiveness regularly. Don't, don't wait till the big thing blows up and pray, but pray regularly. But, but listen to the prayer that David prayed once he realized how, how, how much he had offended God. And he said, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. In the midst of all that he had done, he realized that God's love is so amazing and so unfailing. He says, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin, for I do what? What are those last three words? I recognize my rebellion. Too, too, too late. <laughs> it haunts me day and night. Against you and you alone have I sinned. I have done what's evil in your sight. He confessed. What I did was wrong. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. God, whatever you want, however you want to punish me, I deserve it, right? The phrase that he had there, recognizing his rebellion, is so critical. Let me ask you a question. How well do we recognize our rebellion against God, right? And how often do we go to God to say, Lord, Man, I'm wrong, and you're right. And this is a picture of what God wants for us. He, he wants to have intimacy with us, and he wants us to be able to confess our sins to him. And so um, what we should be praying regularly is for God just to search our hearts. And as he prayed later in this psalm, you know, create in me a clean heart and renew the right spirit within me. God, I want to live the right way. I, I do want to live the right life that you call me to live. So... Uh, the, the verse that we often see with confessing our sins is 1 John 1 and 9, where it says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to purify us from all unrighteousness. Now, here's something I want us to pay attention when we look at this verse. What is our heart posture? What do we really believe about what that verse says? In other words, do we believe that if we confess our sins, that God will forgive and, here's the other one, purify? What does it look like for God to purify us after we confess? Well, one of the things that we need to understand is that purification involves removing the guilt and shame associated with the thing that we did. And so what I'm, what I'm asking you is to, I'm trying to encourage you that when we pray, and especially when we use this verse, we say we confess our sins, do we go in with this sense of condemnation going in and condemnation coming out? Or do we go in, maybe I feel bad going in, but God, thank you for restoring me and purifying me coming out. Because you know what? That's what he does, and we need to believe it. Amen? We need to believe that. All right. So um, the next thing that we need to understand is what it means to uh, live a, in a, a life of forgiveness is to release their offenses, to release their offenses. And that's found in Ephesians 4.32, where it says, when it comes up, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as, Christ, just as God and Christ forgave you. Um, here's, when we look at this question, or look at this verse, I have a question for you. 
what would it look like if God forgave you the way you forgive others? What kind of shape would you be in? Right? And this is just kind of a convicting thing for us because he, if we are a follower of Jesus, we should want people to receive the same forgiveness that we've received from God. And there's a, a story that many of us have heard before in Scripture in Matthew 18 about the parable of the unforgiving servant. Some of you have heard this story, and it's the story of a king who had servants, and one of his servants had racked up a, a large amount of debt. Uh, one translation says it's been about a million dollars worth of debt that he racked up. And so the servant came to him and said, or the king said, listen, it's time for you to pay me back now. I, need, I want my money back. And, and the servant said, but I don't have the money. And the king said, well, that's fine. Then I'll have to put you and your wife and your children into slavery until the debt's paid. And he was like, king, please, I'll find a way to pay it. But please have mercy on me. Have, com have compassion on me. And so the king said, I will have compassion on you and I will cancel your million-dollar debt. Let me ask you a question. How would you feel if your debt was canceled? Huh? Some of y'all would get up and run around this room right now if, if I told you that your debt would be canceled. But guess what happened? That same servant, after his debt was canceled, he had his own servants. And one of his servants didn't know a million dollars. It was a few thousand dollars. And that servant said, hey, um, I, actually, I, 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 I can't pay back my debt. And the one who was forgiven came to him and said, I want my money. And the Bible says, Jesus said that he choked the guy and was so mad with him, and then he threw him in prison. He didn't extend forgiveness to this guy like he received forgiveness. But you know what happened? Um, his other fellow servants saw what happened, uh, that, that he got thrown in prison, and, and they were like, oh, no, he didn't. <laughs> right? You did not throw him in prison when you receive forgiveness for, for the king. So what, guess what happened? They went to the king. And we find here in verse 32 of Matthew 18 what happened, where the king called the man he had forgiven, and he said, you evil servant. He called the guy that did not forgive evil. And that's something that you and I have to pay attention to, that when we don't forgive, this is how God sees us as evil because we, don't, we chose not to. And then he says, I, forget, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have mercy on your fellow servant just as I have mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And then here are the words of Jesus after that parable. He says, again, this is what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters. What are those last three words? from your heart, from your heart. So Jesus makes it really clear in this parable that unforgiveness is unacceptable. But can I ask you a question? I mean, we look at that story and say, oh, how, how dare somebody do anything like that? But here's my question. Could that scenario be playing out in your life? Because if you are a follower of Jesus and have received forgiveness from God, and now someone is seeking forgiveness from you and you withhold it, what do you look like? the evil servant. So it's very important for us to, to look at these stories and, and to examine ourselves in, in light of it. And what Jesus says in that story is that unforgiveness is like being in a prison. Now, most of us would not have any desire to be put into a prison cell with the person that hurt us and hates us. But when we choose to, choose to be 
choose not to forgive, that's what we do. We put ourselves in a prison because our emotions and our mental uh, and our minds are connected with the person that hurt us. And so some of us are wondering why we are dealing with what we deal with because we've chosen not to forgive. And that's why uh, Lewis Smeeds had this amazing comment about forgiveness where he says, to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that the prisoner was you. Unforgiveness is like a prison. Don't forget this. Don't overlook this. It's so critical to your future. So we've talked about how do you live a life of forgiveness? Confessing my sins, releasing their sins. And the third one is resisting future offense. Because it can happen anytime, anywhere. And you know what? There's some of us in this room that, are, that can easily get offended. We, I mean, the, the least little thing could set us off. And we would say, oh, no, it doesn't. Oh, no, it doesn't. I'm not, I don't get highly offended. And the scenario that I would ask you is, okay, so let's just say that um, if I ask you a question, but tell me about your relationships. Well, I don't like this person because they do this, and I don't like that person because they, they did that, and this person hurt me, and that person hurt me. Then my question is, who's the common factor in all these people that hurt you? Could it be you, right? And so we have to be careful about how we deal with offense, and it's easy for us uh, to fall into it. And Jesus says these words in Luke, the 17th chapter. He says, be alert. He tells us, be alert. Then he says, if you see your friend going wrong, correct him. If he responds, forgive him. Even if it's personal against you and repeated seven times throughout the day, not the week or the month, throughout the day, and seven times he says, what does he say? I'm sorry, I won't do it again. Forgive him. And the apostles came and said to the master, Lord, give us more faith. I ain't got that kind of faith, right? Most of us probably, uh, don't raise your hand when I ask you this, but do you know someone that, that frequently gets on your last nerve? <laughs> don't raise your hand. Okay, don't do that. But how do we respond to that? Jesus says, listen, the reason you forgive is to, is to keep your heart clean towards them. Because if you don't, you're going to let it pile up and and you're going to have this huge sin debt that you're going to ask God to take care of. But he says, forgive him, forgive him, forgive him. He, what, what Jesus says here is that there's no limit to forgiveness. When you're offended, choose to forgive, period. So, uh, and also the funny part in that verse is that where Jesus says, give us more faith. Um, the next verse after that scripture is very familiar to us. It's the, it's the verse that says, hey, all you need faith is faith the size of a mustard seed. Jesus says, you don't need a lot of faith. You don't need more faith to forgive. But you know what you need more of? You need to be more willing to forgive. So it's not the issue that we can't forgive for us. It, the issue is really that we won't forgive. And that's the challenge that we all face. So what have we talked about so far today? We've talked about offense, how it gets us stuck and sick. And we talked about... Uh, what it looks like to live a lifestyle of forgiveness, how we confess our sins and how we release their offenses and how we resist future offenses. And Philip Yancey has a really, really interesting comment about forgiveness that I think will be helpful for us. Here's what he says. He says, at last I understood. In the final analysis, forgiveness is an act of faith. By forgiving another person, I'm trusting that God is a better justice maker than I am and by forgiving, I release my own right to get even 
and leave all issues of fairness to God to work out. I leave in God's hands the scales that must balance justice and mercy. So all of this is saying that when you choose to forgive, what we're saying is, God, I trust you to take whatever justice, to take whatever action is necessary because you can do it better than I could ever do it. And my heart, I don't have the heart capacity to do it because uh, of my own, my own sin, my own emotions and how these, things deal, how, how these things impact me. And so here's what I want to do in this moment. While we're in this place of, of searching our own hearts, I want you to bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment because this is a place where we need to ask the Lord some questions because it's one thing for me to talk in scenarios and talk with biblical principles, but some of us today, when you heard these particular scriptures and I described these situations, God brought somebody to mind. And the reason he brought that person to mind is because he wants you to forgive them. But also what happened in this moment is that there may be people that you've hurt, you know you've hurt them, and God wants you to go do something about it. Because one of the scriptures that God talks about, one of the passages of scripture says that, listen, before you come praying to me, if you have a sin against your brother, you need to deal with that first before you come and ask me for anything. See, God wants us to have clean hearts. And today, if you're in this room or you're watching online and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you're dealing with offense, with hurts, with issues in your life, the good news is you don't have to handle that alone. Jesus wants to be there with you, and he wants to help you and enable you and empower you to forgive. But there are some of you who are here who you're already saved. You're already walking with Jesus, and maybe in this moment, it's not, it's not asking God for his salvation, but what you're asking for uh, in a moment like this is just for the ability to make the right choice. What you're asking for in a moment like this is, is to not forget about the amazing sin debt that he paid, that when you made him Lord and Savior, he canceled your debt, and you've taken that for granted. And maybe that's what your prayer is in this moment. And so what I want us to do is, whether you're saved, whether you're a follower of Jesus, or today, if you want to become a follower of Jesus, I want to pray, I want us to pray this salvation prayer together. And again, those of you who are followers of Jesus, let's pray this together. And for those of you who want to become a follower of Christ to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, let's pray this together. Let's say it. Jesus, today, I come before you to give my life to you. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I believe that you rose from the dead. Come into my life and change me and drive out the darkness. And make me a new person. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. And I will follow you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. That's an important prayer for us to pray because the last thing that we're going to do is since we've been talking about forgiveness, at Victory, we've actually created a forgiveness prayer for you. After you leave here today, God may be saying, I, I need to, to pray 
out this forgiveness thing that I heard. And so this is something that you'll be able to take home and, and pray it out. But, but here's, here's what I want you to do. Um, on the screen, you're going to see a prayer that we're going to read together. And I want all of us to read this forgiveness prayer together because uh, you may not need it now, but at some point you're going to be offended and you're going to need it. And again, this will be available on social media after these services, so you don't have to hold up your camera and take pictures. Uh, you can just pray and participate, and then afterwards hit social media, and you'll be able to, to, to download this yourself. But this is simply a sample prayer of forgiveness that I want us to do together. And so uh, we're going to read it together on my cue, okay? So here we go. God, I repent for withholding forgiveness from, and you would name that person who hurt you. Let's continue. Today, I make a decision to forgive them for, be very specific about the way you were hurt. Okay? Next, Father, when they did this, it made me feel, be real about how it made you feel. Let's continue. God, I no longer want to carry this wound. Today, I make a choice to give you the pain and lay it at the foot of the cross, and I hand this person over to you and choose to allow you to be my justice maker. Now, here's the harder prayer because now Bible said, Jesus says, bless those who curse you and pray for those who hurt you. We're about to pray a blessing for the person that hurt you. Why? Because as a follower of Jesus, you want them to receive what you have. Here we go. I pray your blessings upon that person. And I pray that they will have an authentic, personal, and growing relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Bring healing to their heart, mind, and body. Surround them with your love and grace. Right now, I receive the gift of joy, hope, peace, and love that's found in you. Thank you for continually healing my heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Come on. You remember the scripture where I said, when you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us. Do you feel even a little cleaner just by walking through that right there, right? You feel different because you're saying, God, I'm being real with you. And so my prayer for you today is that that prayer that we read is not something that just stays somewhere on the internet, but maybe you download that and maybe you begin to adopt that as a part of your life. And who knows? What I told you would happen in my life when I was... Uh, chose to forgive the hurts that I've had. I can't wait to hear the testimonies that happen when you choose to forgive. Because you know what? When you choose to forgive, you choose to be free. God bless you. We love you.